Hello, welcome back to Out the Gate, the podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. I'm Ben Shaw, host and producer of this show. Today's show is sponsored by Blue Heron Battery. Are you thinking about installing lithium batteries on your boat? Because there are a lot of advantages, including less weight, faster charging times, more usable power, and longer lifespans compared with other types of batteries. But I know it's confusing. Understanding the ins and outs of installing lithium can be a challenge. That's what drew me to Blue Heron Battery and Hank George. Blue Heron Batteries are made with high-quality cells. They come with a great warranty, provide Bluetooth access to a bunch of parameters, and they're available at an exceptional price. Blue Heron was recommended to me by multiple cruisers who I trust a great deal, and I found that Hank really knows his stuff. Over multiple conversations, he really helped me determine what I needed for my boat in a really helpful, straightforward manner. My Blue Heron batteries are in the boat, and the install is almost complete. I'll let you know more when it's done, and I've switched them on. You can find out more and order your batteries at blueheronbattery.com. Today's show is also sponsored by Sun Powered Yachts. There are so many benefits of having solar on your boat, clean, quiet, abundant power. Today's panels are more efficient than ever, so much so that if you already have solar, you might want to consider upgrading, like I just did. If you're looking for new panels, solar controllers, wiring, and other solar gear, or even just someone to talk to about installations or upgrades, you should contact Lyle and Katie at Sun Powered Yachts. They know solar. As sailors themselves, they cater to the boating community. Now, I met Katie and Lyle at the Richmond Boat Show here in San Francisco. I had Katie on the podcast way back on on episode 10, and immediately after talking with them, I knew without question that I'd reach back out to sun-powered yachts when it was time for me to upgrade my panels. I'm installing new Maxion 415-watt panels from sun-powered yachts that will allow me the peace and quiet of going for days without running the engine. I'm really looking forward to that. Also, for listeners in the Bay Area, panels are available for pickup in Hayward, California, which saves you a bundle on shipping. Find out more and order your own panels at sunpoweredyachts.com. Lastly, a big thanks to Chris Murray and Joshua Marker, who joined the Out the Gate crew by becoming Patreon patrons for Out the Gate. By heading over to patreon.com forward slash out the gate and signing up, not only will you help keep this show going, but you'll become eligible for special benefits such as extra content and swag. The podcast takes time and costs money to keep doing, so I appreciate any and all support. This week, we're going deep. I'm talking to an old friend about his new hobby, free diving. When Jason Brown started asking around about the possibility of freediving in San Francisco Bay, people told him it was impossible. But my friend Jason has never been one to let impossible stand in his way. Together with his buddy John Prince, he's pioneered freediving just inside the Golden Gate Bridge, where the frigid water is deep and dark and home to some extreme currents. 
Not only has his diving attracted the attention of the press with a recent front-page article in the San Francisco Chronicle that you may have seen, but he's attracted the attention of the world's preeminent freediver, Alexei Molchanov, who recently joined Jason here in the Bay. So let's dive right in. Well, my name is Jason Brown, and I am the father of two beautiful children, a wonderful wife. I've been, uh, I have my anniversary, 18 years, coming up in a couple of days. Congrats. Wow. Yeah, pretty excited about that. Also a fintech executive. I founded a company called Tally, and we've built a robot that gets people out of credit card debt, uh, which has uh, been a passion also uh, for the last eight years. So quite, nice. a, quite a full life. And, and if you want that story, you can listen to Michael Lewis's podcast. That's right. Because you were featured. What episode was that? That was uh, season two, it, episode it, one. Yeah, season two, episode one of Michael Lewis's uh, podcast. It's called Against the Rules. Against the Rules. Yeah. Gr- I highly recommend that podcast if you haven't heard it, and highly recommend the episode you're in. It's a good Thank one. You. But we're not talking fintech today. We are talking. Well, we're going to talk about free diving. Free diving. You may have seen Jason featured on the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm looking at a copy of it right now. Not that long ago, a full page spread above the fold on the front page um, because you have pioneered freediving here in San Francisco Bay, which is not a common thing. It is uh, not only is it not common, uh, nobody, to my knowledge, had ever attempted or conducted uh, depth free diving uh, in the history of the bay. So this is uh, this is a first. That's awesome. I remember uh, we've known each other for some time. I remember coming over to your place, uh, having dinner and having the kids hang out. And you were just back from spending some time in Hawaii. Yes. Why don't you tell us what happened while you were there? Well, uh, I'm sure many of your listeners will remember the orange day in San Francisco when yeah. uh, the, the sun was, was not visible for the whole day. And uh, at that point, that was my breaking point. You know, we had COVID. Now we couldn't even breathe the air. I uh, went online and I bought tickets to Hawaii, to the Big Island, and I told my wife, we're going and we're not coming back. (laughs) (laughs) So we spent uh, about a year on the Big Island, and uh, that's actually the epicenter of uh, freediving, of depth freediving, which I'll probably explain what that is here in in a moment. But uh, it has just incredible waters and incredible depth uh, uh, outside of Kona and south of Kona. And uh, I had always wanted to train freediving. I had this freakish ability to hold my breath for a long time when I was a kid and even before freediving I could hold my breath over five minutes so so you knew about freediving since you were young I was an aggressive snorkeler I didn't I didn't know all the things I know now but I knew (laughs) that it was really fun to hold my breath and dive down deeper than the scuba divers and wave to them and they'd always freak (laughs) out of this kid now where did you do that when Uh, you were growing up my dad took us down to Mexico pretty frequently okay and actually when I was a freshman in high school my dad took me out of school for four months and we drove in a Eurovan from Colorado to Belize and back. I didn't know this. Yeah, it was an incredible trip. And we, we just followed the coast uh, all the way down and then eventually, um, you know, spent time on uh, Key Cocker in Belize and just did a ton of diving and snorkeling there. And, uh, yeah, I remember I could uh, I could dive um, south of 60 feet. And, again, I didn't have any training or anything like that, right. but it just felt – Felt natural just in the water. So you were a water baby from the beginning. Yeah, even though I grew up at altitude, so I grew up in the high high altitude of Colorado. But I just uh, I'd felt called to 
deepening my relationship with the ocean. And one of the things I observed is whenever I would be in the ocean, let's say by myself, I always had that like nervousness. And I don't know if any of the folks listening have that as well. You'll be in deep water. Maybe it's a little darker. Mm-hmm. You've got that unsettling feeling of like, I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. And I was really curious to just explore and develop a relationship with the water that I have with the forest. Whereas I can go walking in the forest alone and I just feel, I feel like I'm supposed to be there. Like I'm in one with nature. And I, I was just thinking how amazing would it be to have that relationship with, with the ocean. And so I hired a couple of uh, free diving trainers and coaches while I was in, uh, in Hawaii. And I learned about this, this sport called free diving and maybe just to define it for, for yeah, our listeners. Yeah, so uh, free diving is the diving below the surface of the water without any mechanical aids, without any breathing apparatuses. So at the end of the day, all you need is your, is your breath. This discipline has actually goes back thousands of years. Uh, there's multiple cultures that have the, this discipline of you know diving down on a single breath to, to go collect and forage the ocean. For example, in uh, Japan, there's a, a group of women that for thousands of years that's been the way they contribute to to their community and what's incredible about free diving is we all have this thing some people call the master switch of life Mm -hmm. which is this evolved trait uh, called the mammalian dive reflex under conditions where our face is wet and we start to have the pressure of the the water upon us our body actually starts to conserve oxygen and it allows us to dive to extreme depth for me, I'm, I'm an office monkey. I'm, I'm a fantastic free diver among the office monkeys. I can dive down like right around 200 feet. But uh, Alexei Malchinov, which we'll get to uh, in, in a second, uh, is the deepest free diver in the world. And he has uh, 20, I think it's 25 or 27 world records. And one of those is deeper than 400 feet. It's pretty remarkable how deep the human body can go on a single breath. Wow. And I'm sure people are listening thinking, is this safe? The thing that's so incredible is that if you're diving under the conditions that we dive, which is you have a buddy, another free diver, and you're diving up and down this line, so a rope. So just picture like you've got a bobber in the water, a rope tied to it, and a weight dangling on that, right? Mm-hmm. So now you have a vertical point of reference that you can go up and down, and you're actually connected to it via this thing called a lanyard, uh, which connects to your your waist or your wrist so that you're always in contact with this uh, this vertical point of reference. And worldwide in the last five years, there have been virtually no deaths of freedivers diving under those safe conditions where you have a buddy who's safety in you and you uh, have an actual safety line that you're diving up and down. There are numerous people who dive freediving, but they're mostly folks that are diving alone and or they're doing spearfishing. And they're in situations where um, it's it's less controlled and less safety oriented. So I would consider it kind of like rock climbing. So if you're rock climbing under conditions where you have a belayer and a rope and all the safety, again, is there a risk? For sure. Yeah. But uh, under those conditions, it's relatively safe. But if you want to go free soloing where you're climbing without any ropes, then order of magnitude increase of risk. Okay. So you got some exposure to this. Was it love at first dive? Actually, it wasn't. I felt like I was suffocating the first time. Yeah. I remember it was the first time I had been diving with a wetsuit. Let's just say a, a dive down to 40 meters. At 40 meters, your lungs are one-fifth the size of what they are at the surface. And also, your wetsuit is one-fifth the, has one-fifth the, the air volume that it did at the surface. So at first, there was this crazy sensation of 
getting squished by like the ocean. Can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was pretty disconcerting for the first uh, two times that I went. But what's remarkable is your body and your mind adapts. And now it's one of my favorite parts of freediving. A lot of freedivers call it a hug from the ocean mm-hmm. where you just feel totally like embraced and engulfed by the water. And now it's just an incredibly calming experience. It's fascinating that you describe it as suffocating because you're obviously not breathing while you're down. Correct. There, right. So it's just this feeling of <gasps> constriction. Yeah. And when you're first learning, you know, you have this stress response. You're like, this is new. This is scary. And so you tense up. Uh-huh. And being tense and having the pressure is a bad combination. Okay. Because in order for our bodies to be able to, to dive to these depths, you have to be incredibly relaxed. And you have to be relaxed for two reasons. One is it conserves your oxygen. Uh, and two is in order for your, your chest to have the inward flexibility it needs in your trachea and all the spaces where there's air, they have to be able to flex inward. Otherwise, you, you can have this, um, this medical experience called a squeeze where it actually tears the tissue. Oh. So relaxation is a foundational element of, of this sport. And I think that's one of the things that makes it very different from any other sport. It's actually not athletic ability that really determines it. It is your ability to um, allow yourself to get into a very relaxed place and be just a tiny bit alert, but 95% of your brain, you're just in an empty space. And your whole body, all your muscles, your joints, everything is just so relaxed like you were rolling out of bed on a Sunday morning. And being able to hold that state all the way down to a place that you might as well be on the moon. Let's say you were to freak out at depth. You were to get scared, get all in your head. You would use all of your blood oxygen within probably 10 or 15 seconds. And more than likely, you wouldn't make it back up. So you're in this place that if you did freak out, if you had a fight or flight moment, that could be the end of your journey. And instead, you're just in this very calm, relaxing place. And we were just free diving, you know, an hour ago. Uh, We were diving at 40 meters. And again, at that depth, for, for us, it's just this very relaxing place. But, you know, in theory, if you, like, totally freaked out and had a panic attack, uh, that might be the end of your journey. <laughs> so that state of mind is very important. It, it is. Your life now, depends on it. I know that you do breathing exercises before you go down to help you get into that state. Can you share some with us? Oh, wow. Yeah, these, these breathing exercises I do... Um, you know, so let's say I'm about to go on stage for for a big talk or go on to national uh, television or something, or or the Out the Gate podcast. Yeah, or the podcast. Yeah, so yeah, so, of course. so nervous right now, <laughs> sitting in your awesome boat, with my friend. <laughs> so maybe uh, maybe we can actually make this active. So yeah, so let's do it. the listeners here, if you could uh, get yourself in a place where you're, you know, just sitting in a relaxed state, make sure that your do this uh, your your chest uh, is is open, so you're not constricted. Relax your shoulders. And the, the first thing you do is put your put your hand right above your bladder. So down down pretty low, so on your diaphragm, and try to take a couple of breaths only using your diaphragm. So not using your shoulders, not using your chest. And if you have a spare hand, I'm holding a microphone, but if you have a spare hand, you could put it on your chest and make sure that your chest is not moving. So let's uh, let's take three breaths this way. So out. And then when you breathe out, just relax. Don't force it out. Just let the pressure of your diaphragm. So let's take it in. And you'll feel your, your diaphragm inflate to its maximum point where it can't inflate anymore. Just hold it for a second. One more time. 
Yeah, so that's diaphragmatic breathing. So you're not using your chest. And what's interesting is that uh, it takes very little effort to breathe with your diaphragm. Even though that's only one third of your, your lung volume, you have the most actual parts of your lungs where you have about two thirds of your ability to process oxygen down there. So it's your most efficient breathing. What you do before a dive is you'll do this diaphragmatic breathing and then we'll add one last thing to it, which is you're gonna purse your lips and you're gonna let the air escape from your lungs over the course of about 10 seconds. So maybe we'll just do one, but we're gonna do that same diaphragmatic breath. Don't use your chest, fill it all the way. And then purse your lips such that just a little air is seeping out such that it will all be released naturally over the course of about 10 seconds, okay? Let's breathe in. So that one, that one breath right now, I can just feel relaxed in my jaw, my face relaxed. I can just... Just that one single breath, I can already tell my nervous system has uh, calmed down even more. I don't know how it feels yeah. for you. Is that to just relax, or is this also about lung capacity preparation? So, so this is pure relaxation and oxygenating your blood. Okay. Something like this, again, if, if you take, it could be three breaths, it could be five minutes, but just I would recommend, again, to anybody listening who's interested, this, let's say you're stressed out, like you can just take a couple breaths like that mm -hmm. and, it, and it increases the oxygen in your, uh, in your blood and just allows you to, to downregulate. So it's really about just calming your nervous system and making sure you're fully oxygenated. So that's, uh, that's, what, uh, what, that's what you do before each dive. Very cool. And then what's that final breath before you mm. put your face in the so water? That's so the, that's the maximum inhale. So now you're about ready to dive. Again, if we want to do this, so go back to sitting so you have uh, full, full use of your chest. So now you're going to do, I'll break it up just to make it a little easier. You're going to do that full inhale on your diaphragm. And now you're going to fill your lungs as much as you can. And once your lungs are full, you're going to actually raise your shoulders and arch your back up a little bit. And you're going to get that last little bit. And if you want to take it to the extreme, you're going to tip your head up like towards the sky and open and try to get as much as you can. And then close your mouth and then relax. So we're going to try that. That's a maximum okay. inhale. Ready? So you should feel a lot of outward pressure yeah. on your chest there. Yeah, and you can see it. it's in stages. You can really sense, that, oh, there's more. There's more volume. There, there's a little more volume. Yeah. There's a little more. It. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you see, you know, uh, an animal, let's say that's like on its literally uh, about to die, you'll see it, it starts to breathe with its shoulders. Mm. That's like the last thing when it's like when it's basically there is, believe it or not, a little capacity that you can engage by your shoulders. So just going up and back. So before you dive, you take this this big inhale, you very calmly, but with purpose, uh, descend into the depths. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about the depths of San Francisco Bay. So you come back after, and I remember vividly having this conversation with you. You came back from Hawaii, and you were asking me, said, are there places, I, you know, do you think there are places in San Francisco Bay where we could dive? And I, we talked about it, and we talked about how really the deepest part of the bay is right under the Golden Gate Bridge. When did you first go out and give it a shot here in this cold, pretty murky water? With massive currents. <laughs> With massive currents. Yeah, the, the first thing I did was to start asking around, and I, and I heard, it was about a month of research of like, I'm sure somebody has figured out depth free diving here. 
And what I heard is it's impossible for the following reasons. So number one, the bay as a whole is very, very shallow. I think the average depth is something like 25 or 30 feet. Like it's a really shallow bay first. Secondly is it is murky. Like the visibility is anywhere from like six inches to three feet, depending on the day. So just a lot of silt. Next up is uh, great whites uh, enjoy uh, spawning and doing their thing uh, only about 14 or 15 miles offshore. So like, hey, it's, it's scary at the minimum. And the currents are just absolutely epic because you have the entire volume of like, I think isn't it's like the, the size of Rhode Island or something, that much water comes in and out of a tiny little narrow passage twice a day. None of this conducive to keeping a very relaxed state of mind, which you just described to Correct. us as the key. Correct. <laughs> and so so I, I was like, all right, well, I hear what you're all saying, but uh, I want to try to see what I can do. And so I started exploring depth charts and I did find that there is one spot right at the, the mouth of the Golden Gate. And actually, underneath the gate is quite deep. So that's the one place where it's really deep. Obviously, you can't dive there because it's a shipping lane. Right. But like off to the side of that, I was like, there's this like little bowl, if you will, where it's about 160, 170 feet. And so um, I just went out on my own and uh, started just uh, studying the currents. And I you would spend hours out there like observing and watching. And I did break the rule. I did two dives by myself because I, I knew that I, I couldn't rope anybody else into this until I validated some concepts. But I did some, for me, shallower dives, like 80-foot dives, just to like see what it's like. And the thing that, that just blew my mind is the darkness. So... Uh, I didn't appreciate that with the kind of silt that's in this water, once you're past anywhere from 20 to 30 feet, it is pitch black, like meaning like cave black, zero visibility. And when you're diving, it's good. You can't see the sharks. You can't see the sharks. <laughs> you will never see anything. And and when you're when you're diving, uh, this is actually one of the coolest experience of this is you're 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 descending head first after about 30 feet. So 10 meters, you become negatively buoyant. So now the water has, has, at 10 meters, your lungs are half the size of what they were at the surface. So 10 meters and below, you actually drop like a rock. Yeah, that's fascinating to me and also terrifying. It is the most incredible relaxing part of this because now you're getting like sucked down to the bottom of the ocean and you're doing it in this um, really relaxed way. So if you go on YouTube, uh, go Google like vertical blue Alexei Malchinov, you, you'll, you'll see because there it's good visibility. You can see the whole dive, but they're, they're going head first, falling like a dart and it requires zero effort. And so you just do like slight, slight movements of your fins to make sure that you're vertical. But, but what's crazy about the, the, the conditions here is it is pitch black dark, like not a single piece of light comes through. And it, in that darkness, since you're negatively buoyant, if you didn't have this, this line that's a point of reference, you would have no idea which is up, down, or sideways. So it's really important in these conditions, again, to have, have the safety line for reference because let's say you are not connected to that, you actually wouldn't know which way is up because you're negatively buoyant and it's pitch black. Mm. Wow. So anyway, I, um, I, I did that on, on my own a couple times, and I was like, this is possible. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> All right. Yes, I do so, want to hear so, that. So, so yeah, I was, like, I was like, this is possible. So I wrote up this uh, multi-page document with like the whole hypothesis and what things needed to be figured out, and I posted it to this uh, Facebook group. 
uh, for Bay Area freedivers because people do dive. They just don't dive in the bay. They dive down in Monterey. Okay. And then there's Lake Berryessa, which is up in Napa. So I posted it there, and everybody was like, you're crazy. This is insane. But there was this one guy. His name is John Prince. He was like, let's do this. What's cool about him is he's certified – I think three or 400 divers in, in the San Francisco Bay area. So he's, he's the primary person that actually trains people up to be free divers. And John Prince uh, from fins and foam was like, let's do this. He was totally game for it. And so we spent the, the, the subsequent, um, two years trying to solve the biggest problem, which is actually anchoring. I remember this well, because the spot that you have found happens to be right outside the Horseshoe Cove where I keep my boat. So I would come down here and be working on the boat, and, I, and you would either be coming back from a dive or pulling into the parking lot to go for a dive, and you're like, we're going to try this other system. What do you think about if we take this rock and we throw it in with a line tied to it? And so tell us about this experimentation. Yeah, so 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 the um, the, the bay is very unforgiving. And especially in the spot where we are, the currents will be upwards of four or five knots. And, and what's also crazy is there might be three currents going in completely opposite directions. So you'll have the surface current, then at 10 meters, a new current going one way, and then 20 meters, a different current going the other way. And at the bottom, there might be no current or there might be a current going the other way. So it is really challenging and the force of this water is just incredible. And so we tried and failed so many times. We probably have like 10 different anchors that are stuck on the bottom of the bay. Um, and one of the <laughs> things that really bothered us is the anchors would either not work or they would get stuck under a rock and work, but we couldn't get them back. And so wow. you end up throwing all this cordage in the ocean, which just feels horrible, right? It's trash. Yeah. So eventually we, we developed the most uh, effective yet simple system, which is we get a big 80 to 100 pound rock. And then we tie jute cord to it. So jute cord is 100% biodegradable. It's just uh, some kind of grass or something like mm -hmm. that. And we uh, put it on top of a stand-up paddleboard. We go to our, our perfect spot, which is, again, about 40 or 50 meters of depth. You drop the rock over the side, and we have a spool, so it spools down. And once it hits the bottom, it generally stays in place. And then you tie the jute cord to the stand-up paddle. And then the stand-up paddle, we uh, bring out this big donut-looking thing, which is what we use to dive up and down, and you just connect that to the stand-up. And so now you have a situation where, for the most part, you stay in place because you've got this big rock on the bottom, you've got this reasonably strong jute cord connecting it all together, and when you're den done with a session, you actually just cut the cord. And so we actually found a white paper. Believe it or not, somebody studied the rate at which jute cord biodegrades in the ocean. And uh, within 24 to 27 days, it's totally uh, it's totally biodegraded. You cut the jute cord and you pull your line back up? Uh, no. Well, the, it, the jute cord, everything stays in the ocean. Because okay. There's it's the, all jute cord all the way up. Yeah, jute cord all the way up. The thing that we're diving up and down is um, that's never on the bottom. Oh, okay. Like our safety line is a whole separate That's system. just a weighted line? That's just a weighted line. And Got that never it. touches the bottom. So this is just so that our stand-up paddle and the entire apparatus doesn't get sucked out the, okay, out the just, gate. Okay, I got it. Yeah, got it. So, so then the, the um, you know, it's like 10 bucks per, per trip of, of jute cord, which is uh, pretty manageable from an extent yeah. standpoint. It's reasonably reliable. So the funny thing is we tried a million ideas with pulleys and all this technology and such, and it turns out the most simple system of basically some grass tied to a rock uh, is, the, uh, is the answer. <laughs> Well, what you're doing is pretty basic. It's holding your breath, and yes. you've got a basic system for making it work. Does that line that you're diving on usually stay vertical, or with the currents, are you diving at an angle? It depends on the current. So today, we had a really peaceful ses session. It was vertical mostly the whole time. 
But um, there are sessions where it, it, it is like you are trying to dive in like the Mississippi River. I mean, we're talking about that line is at a 45 degree angle, maybe even more. And even just to do a 30 meter dive, which for us would be not that big a deal, it feels like a 60 meter dive. Because so that begs the question then when you're coming up, are you swimming against the yes. current? Yeah. So and when you're coming so up you aggressively really against the current, yes, you, you have to work very hard. And I mean, again, a 30 meter dive will feel like a 60 or 65 meter dive. So you really, uh, again, in the currents will change moment to moment. I mean, anybody who sails in the bay knows how intense this is and especially yeah. if you look outside of horseshoe bay you'll see sometimes the the water mixing and it is like looks angry and frothy it's a strange place i've seen standing waves just come from out of nowhere and roll into that shore that you yeah. guys are on yeah so every single time i mean you just have to have so much respect and in one time so john and i were diving and the force was so great that it actually pulled the stand-up paddle. And this is a big stand-up paddleboard. It was actually standing on its tail. And then eventually uh, the, the, the current snapped our anchor line. And he and I were getting swept out the gate. And, you know, we have a stand-up paddleboard. So we're safe in that sense. But we were fighting as hard as we could, and we couldn't fight the current. I mean, I think it was a five-knot current, yeah. which, like, as hard as we worked, we couldn't get, a, get away from it. So we ended up just going with the current and then bailing underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. And then There's we were able little, to hike out. little point there. Yeah, that little point there. So, oh, man. So yeah, there, there, it's, 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 you got to have a lot of respect. So I don't want people to hear this and just go free diving out in this spot. I mean, this is, like, the equivalent of, like, not only double black diamond, but this is, like, terrain in alaska that you're skiing that like only should be done if you yeah. have like extensive do not training. try this at home yes yeah that should <laughs> be reiterated even though we have practiced some breathing exercises this isn't something you just we don't want people just going and jumping in the bay and starting to free dive on their own i saw you after you after you and john had just gotten swept out mm, and that's right clawed your way back to shore um, you were drying off. You looked surprisingly relaxed. I guess that's part of the Zen state. But I said, you ought to get a VHF radio there and have that on your paddleboard. Have you gotten one of those? Yeah, we, we, we have a VHF radio, and we learned about Channel 16. And the Coast Guard is quite friendly. So if yeah. Coast Guard is listening, hey, uh, thank you so much. We've actually helped them out a couple times on some projects. They uh, needed us to go retrieve some stuff. So good relationship with them. But, yeah, we have uh, we have that. And they're just like, look, boys, if you ever need uh, if you ever need some help, they're literally like – I don't know, 300 yards away. Right. So, uh, the Coast so Guard it's good to know. Right here. And I remember at the beginning, you were very, you know, you didn't know how they were going to react. Yeah. But they've been cool about it. Uh, not only been cool, but they're just, uh, I mean, one of the guys was, uh, was, you know, he was pretty senior there. And he's just like, man, the deepest I've ever been is the bottom of my pool. <laughs> right. And this is somebody who's in the Coast Guard. Yeah. There was another gentleman who had failed his training for when they like flip over the helicopter and you got to get out. Yeah. And so he had asked us if maybe he could come train. And like the thing that I would say for anybody listening, if you're a water person, I would highly, highly, highly recommend getting certified freediving. Again, you don't have to do any of the stuff we're talking about, but uh, it really attracts people who are um, – there's actually a lot of people in tech and finance who do it. There's, there's, there's people from all walks of life. Uh -huh. But if you want a water-based life, is the amount of comfort that it builds in you 
as it relates to water. And again, you could be just sailing on the weekend and maybe maybe something happens where you got to got to dive down in three feet of water to do yeah. something. It's just that mastery of your mind and your relationship with water. And, you know, John Prins at Fins and Foam, he's, he's here local, but like he is the best level one instructor you can imagine. Like you're going to have a great time. The water, water work that you'll do will be down in Monterey where it's clear, but it's just, if you're going to, if you're going to be in water, having comfort below the surface even if you never want to, you know, do line diving as a regular thing, I, I just I couldn't recommend it a month, a, enough. And and some folks will find that this taps into something that you could not have described in your brain, and you'll be hooked for life. I know that when I'm certainly out of practice, but when I was cruising 20 years ago, diving on the anchor, making sure it was set, just being able to go down and check out the keel of the boat and other things, it was. That comfort below the water was, was extremely important. Yeah. And the, the thing that I'd say if you – because probably a lot of people are scuba dive certified is it couldn't be more different. So, in fact, your scuba diving training will actually make it harder for you to initially acclimatize to free diving. So it's a very, very different uh, experience. And now, I mean, I'm advanced open water certified scuba diving. I can't stand scuba diving. After this experience where, like, all you need – I mean, at the end of the day, you you could do this naked, right? Like, you, you could literally do this with absolutely nothing. But, like, obviously, fins are helpful. But it's just the freedom that you have in the water with no equipment, no sound. Obviously, this is an extreme spot. But there's a lot of places in the world where it's just gorgeous. And being able to stay down for two or three minutes and not be stressed about it, you could get incredible bottom time free diving over the course of a two-hour session. And you're just, like – you'll have these encounters with wildlife that are, yeah, you feel like you're meant to be there versus you're this alien. So, I mean, this raises a question, though, because you're talking about the beauty yeah. and encounters with wildlife, and I told somebody I was going to talk to you and that you were diving in the, in, the, in the bay and that it was dark, it was cold, and you couldn't see anything, and they said, why? Mm. Like, why would you want to dive down if, you, you know, there's nothing to see? It's pitch black. What, what's the attraction? In the world, this is a unique experience, right? So just be to clear of all the experiences of free diving, I have not heard of anybody ever diving in these kinds of conditions anywhere. So just to yeah. be clear, this is this is unique. What I have come to love about these conditions are the peace and darkness. You know, obviously it's very relaxing in the breathe up, but as you start descending and it gets darker and darker and then the lights are out and it's pitch dark, uh, there's no cell phones. <laughs> There's no email. Yeah. There's no kids asking you for anything is for, you know, 45 seconds or 120 seconds. You're on Mars or the moon and it is literally just you and your brain and your presence. I have found it hard to replicate that relationship with myself, except in, in, in this complete deprivation of everything that when, you know, I come back up it, it literally feels like a rebirth or something. I mean, it's you, you come from darkness, you come from nothingness, and then just the, the light and the colors and the textures and the smell and everything at the surface just has this like fresh, incredible vividness. And so it's that, it's that, that, that transformation from surface to darkness back to surface. It's, it's pretty spiritual, I'd actually say. And it's such a unique spot that somebody saw a picture of you with the Golden Gate Bridge in the background the world's foremost, you mentioned his name, yeah. Alexei Molchanov. He's considered the world's 
foremost free diver? Not just considered. He, he, he is. is. He is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so, so uh, as, as undisputed as Michael Jordan or Michael Phelps yeah. or LeBron James, Alexei Malchinov is a, uh, a, a Russian diver. He has, it's either 27 or 25 world records. There, there's only like one or two world records that he doesn't have. And it's like there's Alexei Malchinov and everybody else in the world who's not even close. And he, uh, he heard that we were, uh, we were pioneering freediving here. And uh, he, he hit us out, out of the blue and said, hey, can you take me freediving? And I mean, <laughs> you, you, you reached out to me like, uh, I don't know, the same day you yes. got a message from him and you were just uh, in seventh heaven. Uh, I know. I mean, this, imagine, imagine whoever, whoever's listening, your favorite A-list celebrity, whether yeah. it be like so sports or whatever, and they That's call incredible. you up on a random day and say, hey, can you take me out to do the sport or the thing that they do? It's not like, <laughs> Let's hey, have a pickup game. Yeah, like, exactly. Michael Jordan calls him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I heard you had this great court. You know, I'd love you to show me the ropes. But yeah, he he uh, he was just like, I I heard that you're doing this, and I would love for you to take me. So at that time, I had the depth record in the in the bay here, which was 42 meters. And I'm like, hey, would you? I mean, he's this incredible competitor. I'm like, hey, would you like us to do an attempt to have you beat my record? And I thought he would think it was stupid because, again, his records are in the 100, like 135 meters is his big record. Whereas I was like, hey, maybe he'd get like 43 meters or something. Right. But he was like, let's do it. Like he definitively wanted to have the record for uh, the San Francisco Bay. So uh, we ended up um, maybe for background, the San Francisco Chronicle had been working on the story on, on John and I uh, for the, the prior six months. And it was coming to the close. So I reached out to Greg Thomas, the, the journalist. I'm like, you are not going to believe this. Like, Alexei Molchanov just asked us to go. So <laughs> This has to be part of your story. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, so he scrambled to, to get a photographer. Um, I hired our own photographer. And uh, there's this, uh, there's this uh, guy who I'd met literally the Sunday before. Uh, his name's Chris. He has a, a sailboat. And his Instagram handle, I'm blanking, is... I think it's Sausalito Sailing or Sailor Sausalito. Okay. I'll put a, a link to it. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll link to it. Thank you, Chris. Hopefully you're listening, Chris. But uh, Chris, uh, he, he actually, that Sunday before, he had snapped some photos and put a, us on, a Insta, on his Instagram channel. And so I called him immediately. Well, at first I called you and you're yeah. like, hey, my boat's... <laughs> well, we're sitting on it right now. You can see the, what, there's wires everywhere. It's in pieces and stuff. Yeah. So, so, so Ben was like, I'd love to help, but uh, it's not, uh, it's not going to be possible. <laughs> so I called Chris and uh, so literally out of the blue, right? I had met this guy a couple days before. And so I was like, uh, hey, Chris, it's Jason, the freediver guy. And he's like, uh, hey, man, what's up? And I'm like, the punchline is I need your boat. <laughs> and he's like okay and then i told him the story and he was just he was like i'm in he's like i i want to help out on this project so uh it was a, a i think it was a saturday morning day of the dive and we had journalists we had this boat there are a total of about 10 people helping and uh, we took alexi uh diving in our spot and uh the currents were just brutal there was no no friendliness from the ocean. We didn't mm. get any breaks on he the day. the true San Francisco Bay experience. The true experience. And it, it dragged our, our rock and everything to a place where we were only at 35 meters of depth. So uh, I could tell he was disappointed. So I, asked, I said, Alexi, would you be up for some shenanigans? And Alexi's like, I'd be up for some shenanigans. I d <laughs> don't do his accent very well. Uh, and so I, I, I asked accent. Chris, I'm like, Chris, what do you think about trying to tell us and this whole dive platform and a rock on the bottom, like a couple hundred yards uh, against the current to see if we could put ourselves in a position where we'd have more depth. 
So he ends up uh, dragging us to a spot that looked like it'd be good. And uh, as soon as he let us go, I realized that the rock had fallen off, uh, like the line had broke. So we no longer had a rock. So at this point, we're free floating going straight out the gate. And I looked at Alexia. I'm like, do you want to dive this? Because uh, we have the depth and we'll have the depth for maybe a minute or two. And then we're going to go straight out the gate. He said, let's do it. So I said, it's now or never. We had dropped the line down to about 60 meters. And he executed this incredible dive on like, we're talking like a 35, 40 second breathe up, which usually on a big dive, you might have a five minute breathe up. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so, and this is, and again, we've been like fighting with the currents and everything and he hasn't been relaxing. So it makes the dive all the more extraordinary. He goes down and everything's kind of fine. And I'm, I'm, I'm his safety. So I'm, I'm feeling the line. And then the craziest thing happened is the weight of our dive line, which should never touch the bottom, gets caught on something on the bottom. Because, again, we're just free floating straight out the gate, right? So it gets caught, and we have, um, we have like eight people that are connected to this entire apparatus all pulling on it. And it ends up taking the dive float and sucking it six feet underneath the surface of the water. So the thing that is the buoyancy for the world's greatest diver is getting sucked underwater. I've never seen anything like that, and I hope I will never see anything like that ever again. And I can tell he's on his way up because when the diver comes up, they pull on the, the rope so that you know they're coming up. So I start – I dive down. I start yanking on this thing, trying to give it a little bounce so that maybe it could bounce over the rock or whatever it's stuck on. And about 10 seconds later, the, it resurfaces. And uh, maybe 20 or 30 seconds later, Alexi came to the surface and uh, had this big smile on his face. And it was all good, but it was, uh, it was a pretty um, – pretty intense situation that I hope I never have to experience again. Yeah, you didn't want to be responsible for, <laughs> for no. uh, anything bad happening to <laughs> to Alexi in this showcase of your spot. I know. That would that would have been bad. That's what they call bad press. <laughs> yeah, yes. That would not have been good. Yeah. But he, but he, he came did up it. And he had a big smile. Big what smile. Was and I what was cool is he was uh, I actually had to loan him my watch. I didn't understand he had the Apple watch which mm. maxes out at forty meters. <laughs> So why why the deepest man on earth has has that I don't know. But <laughs> but I had to load in my watch so that he could uh document the dive. So he's looking at it and he had fifty seven point eight meters and he was so freaking stoked about it. And again, he's this very um I don't know, there's something very like spiritual and, and, and positive about him. Like he's always laughing. He's it's just like you can tell part of his success is his mental demeanor. Mm. And just really happy. And I would like let him celebrate for about four seconds. Then I'm like, Alexi, we got to get this lineup because we're going straight out the gate. And so <laughs> we're like pulling like crazy. And then Chris zooms around on his boat, throws us like the rescue line and then uh, rescues us and drags us back to, to the cove. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a pretty uh, incredible experience. Wow. And wow. maybe the last thing is Alexi said that that 57 meter dive. The two things he said is first off, the darkness was suffocating. And secondly, he said that it was a harder than a 100-meter dive. So just to give some context for the wow. conditions. Have you guys stayed in touch? For sure, yeah. And plans to dive together again? Anyway? Yeah, he, I mean, he, he invited me. Because he's uh, right now, actually, there is a very large budget documentary that's being made about him. Uh, and it was inspired by Free Solo, which won an Academy Award. Sure. So they have the, IMAX the cameras. Alex Honnold. Yeah, 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 Alex Honnold. 
So that inspired a uh, of of equal epic proportion budget film that's being made about him right now, and they have IMAX cameras, and he set um, he set a, a world record, a different world record that was recorded. Is on it that. the same production? It's not Jimmy Chin. It's not Jimmy group. Chin. Okay, but that was the inspiration. So they're doing a budget that like could produce a film that theoretically could win an Academy Award. That's okay. the kind of budget we're talking about. And so uh, they're filming all the way through August, and he's like, hey, man, anytime you want to come anywhere where we're filming or I'm competing, uh, come on out, and uh, we can dive. So He doesn't want to make the uh, San Francisco Bay part of the film. Do you know what he said? He said it would be too scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family film. Jason, uh, do you uh, – uh, I, I know you. We're friends, yeah. and yeah. I know you get intensely into things. Yeah. Does this feel different than other things that you've gotten intensely into? No, I, I've I'm I'm an intense person, and yeah. you know I'm a four-time founder, and everything I do is intense and specific and all the way. So no, this doesn't feel any different than <laughs> anything else. The one thing that I would say is this is the first thing I've done where the intensity has to manifest itself in extreme relaxation. Yeah, everything else I've done is through effort and grit and like contraction, if you will. Where this is, this is an intense experience, but it's on the totally different end of the human experience spectrum. So that part is different. <laughs> Bringing all your intensity to bear on letting it all go. Yeah. And if I could say the thing that's incredible, Ben, and everybody that, that, that it might consider freediving is that what you get to practice over and over and over is calming yourself down. Yeah. Right before this theoretically like really scary experience, right? There could be great whites. There could be all of these things. And get yourself into a place where you're not thinking about sharks or dying or, or any of those things. And you're just with yourself in complete calmness. And then you dive. And then you come back up and you stay calm. And, you, and now I've done that you know, several thousand times, that cycle of calming self down, being in a situation that theoretically could be stressful and then coming back up and it has done amazing wonders for me as a parent as an executive because what don't i run into in life where it's just like sure there's a threat like my wife is mad at me or my son is behaving a certain way or you know one example uh, our company our uh, we're a venture-backed company we banked with silicon valley bank and silicon mm -hmm. valley bank went out of business on a thursday which was again a scary experience and in that moment, when I got the call that Silicon Valley Bank was probably going to go under, there was that flash of fear, like this could be really bad, and then some breaths and calm focus. So it's this ability to stay calm and vigilant at the same time is an incredible superpower, and it's actually the repetition of, of training that cycle over cycle over cycle that does, it does feel like a superpower that allows you to develop. It's that practice. So you can call it up at any time and Correct. use that. And we could all use some of that calm. And I can only imagine sailing. I mean, uh, Ben, obviously you've uh, done some huge trips. And, you know, imagine you're someplace in a really sketchy situation. Maybe something's broken. Maybe you're drifting towards rocks. I mean, that's what you need, right? If you if you panic and overreact. Yeah. You're it's not even the big, scary things. It's the smaller things that I blow out of proportion that mm. I know I need the calmness it's a great playground to practice. That's yeah. that's what I would say. So again, John Prince, Fins and Foam. Like I've I I, I know a lot of free divers and free dive instructors, but he has just this like incredible relaxed atmosphere with him. Yeah. That uh. That, people can find him online. Yeah. If so you just foam. look at Fins and Foam and uh, 
Yeah, what, what's cool about him is he's also trying to lower the barrier of entry to freediving. So he's actually um, getting a bunch of gear manufactured in China directly, like bypassing all of the um, supply chain and putting together a package for freedivers so they literally can get everything they need for a couple hundred bucks, which like otherwise this stuff is like in the thousands if you mm. were to get a full. Like he's like the Johnny Appleseed of Bay Area freediving. He just wants everybody to do it. He doesn't care if you dive one meter or a hundred. Like that's irrelevant to him. What what uh, what he's passionate about is giving people this experience and this uh, this ability to, to to experience their minds and their body and and be in touch with with the water. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. This has been a fantastic conversation, giving me some more insight into your passion of freediving. Thanks, Ben. I uh, appreciate it. And uh, hey, I hope everybody uh, at least at a minimum takes away some breathing exercises. That's right. Relax. <laughs> That's it for this week's show. A reminder that you can help keep out the gate afloat by becoming a Patreon patron for as little as $5 a month. You can become part of the crew and get special benefits like additional content and out the gate swag. For those of you who've already joined, another thank you. I'm your host, Ben Shaw. Thanks for listening. You can reach me on Instagram at OutTheGateSailing or email me at OutTheGateSailing at gmail.com. I always love hearing from listeners. Until next time, smooth sailing.